Welcome to Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, CRISPR works. The opioid epidemic makes amends, sort of, and the SPAC that wasn't. The views expressed on Life Science Today are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations with which they are affiliated. CRISPR works. I I know, as a person who literally earned their PhD on the back of CRISPR technology, you'd think I know that by now. But it works in humans, which actually, now that I say it and think about biochemistry, pretty obvious. Okay, let's try again. New interim data from a clinical trial suggests that CRISPR technology may result in sustained functional changes in gene expression. Data from Intellia released Monday show that when treated with a CRISPR therapy, people with transtheratin amyloidosis experienced rapid, deep, and sustained reduction in disease-causing protein. 86 to 93% reduction in a protein expression at 28 days after a single dose, sustained through 12 months of follow-up. There are tons of fascinating bits from the study. First was the levels of dose escalation, which basically suggest if they were dosed higher, it was more effective. Second was the incredibly low adverse events. I mean, for a literally life-changing gene therapy, only a single adverse event was reported related to vomiting. Not to downplay this event, but for therapies on this scale, that's practically negligible. Of course, It's important to remember, this is a smaller phase one clinical trial that is primarily powered to ask, is this safe and effective from an objective outcomes perspective, like changes in blood protein levels, not more clinical outcomes related to the participant's experience. Other data have shown that you can at times change the expression of a protein without modifying some of the experience of the disease. But for now, this is super promising data. In other, very bad news for Intellia, an important court decision calls into question patents that may relate to this very trial. But we'll have more on that next week. Purdue Pharma has not been popular recently, or rather they have been all too popular for many of the wrong reasons. The OxyContin producer has received significant criticism for their role in the opioid epidemic that has impacted so many globally. Last fall, the company received approval to transition into a public benefit corporation focused on addressing the opioid crisis. On the one hand, this is a sensible re-envisioning with a nice redemptive arc. On the other hand, it's a clear mechanism to shield those who profited from OxyContin from some of the potential ongoing legal ramifications. This week, Purdue received FDA approval to treat unknown or suspected opioid overdose with an injection of naumaphene. The treatment should be used in conjunction with other emergency care for potential overdose. While it will hopefully reverse the effects of opioid overdose and potentially save some lives, it's hard to argue that Purdue has outrun their karma just yet. This should not come as a big shock to my listeners, but some view this as an unfavorable time to go public. As noted last week, this does not upend the IPO plans of all companies, but those looking for a mega raise without some startling result to drive the capital are in for some challenging times. 
This is the case for Amicus Therapeutics, who was headed towards spinning off part of their pipeline through a SPAC valued at $600 million later this year. Now, the deal has fallen through, leaving them short on a next step's trajectory and mega short on cash. Of course, this isn't just that market conditions are changing. Amicus revealed some less than promising long-term data for Batten disease. They used words like streamlining portfolio, read, or cutting jobs, and only keeping the top therapeutic options. Amicus is not completely lost in the woods. They still have an approved therapy for Fabry disease and a treatment for Pompe disease in review at the FDA and in Europe. They may just need to bide their time and weather the storm till they can re-expand their pipeline and launch back out when market conditions are more favorable. Thanks for joining me for Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. Learn more at lifesciencetodaypodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.